Warning, the following podcast contains violent scenes that may be unsettling to some listeners. Listener discretion is advised. In 1987, four childhood friends were reunited after 10 years to investigate the murder of a mentor they all shared. During this time, they unlocked the deep secrets of the past and found themselves exposed to the darkness that surrounded them. Soon it became more than a fight for justice. And instead, it became a fight against the ultimate evil. Six months later, in the winter of 1988, bonded by their knowledge of the dark unknown, they have decided to no longer be the victim. Now they seek out the deep roots of satanic corruption that hides in the shadows of society, all the while trying to mentor a new companion, seeking justice for the death of his cousin. Institutionalized is the second story arc in the Chronicles of Darkness first edition story, The Ultimate Evil, set in Bismarck, North Dakota in 1988. Join us in this tale of satanic horror with Wayne, played by Adam, Che, played by Andrew, Alex, played by Mitch, Michael, played by Slavic, and the newcomer Derek, played by Tillman. If you'd like to contact us, you can find us on Twitter at twin underscore cities underscore VTM, and on Facebook and Discord at Twin Cities by Night. If you'd like to help support the podcast, you can find us on Patreon at Twin Cities by Night. We hope you enjoy. So you guys are all sitting in Dakota Investigative Services office. The tension has dramatically dropped, especially with Wayne kind of being excited that Derek has kind of fit in with the team because like happened earlier, Wayne was really felt that Derek with Wayne's new outlook on the world felt like Derek was purposely brought into their lives, especially with him being a cousin of Amanda and Amanda having such a huge impact on them. And Derek in a way was feels like the pieces fell into place too. When he witnessed everything that happened that finally in this kind of like day where things were not definitely going his way, he kind of felt a sense of ease for a moment when he, when once Samantha Buckley left and he opened up the blinds and he kind of saw this light, even though it's gray and the sky is kind of cloudy, coming to the office, he realized that things are falling into place in a weird way. So, scenes on you guys. Go ahead. You know, in a weird way, I would say things are definitely falling into place. Yeah, how's that? You know, Derek's here. I told him right from the jump it'd be a good idea. And just, you know, fate's brought him here. Good Lord's brought him here. Tell you, tell you what. Derek kind of rolls his eyes and smiles. Uh, Wayne's going to kick his boots off and he's going to go back over to the desk and he's going to like sit down and kind of spin the chair around and just say, all right, guys, we need to talk business, though. Me and Alex just went and, t- and uh, talked to that old man, told us some interesting stuff. Alex is going to go back to his desk. He'll pull out a sheet of blank white drawing paper and a pencil, and he'll just start absentmindedly sketching. We are awaiting with bated breath. Before I get going, uh, I, l- I look over at Michael. Derek, he's uh, he's all in, right? Yeah, he's all in. And I kind of like look at Derek cautiously. We've been looking into something. Uh, it's kind of possibly tied with the with the Welksteaders. And I kind of just like, I'm looking at him for like a, like a response, maybe. Because I know that we haven't really like unloaded all this sort of uh stuff on Derek about like what happened to us and just like what we saw and just like 
what that name means to us. And I just kind of like, I'm kind of just like, like looking to him to see like gauge his reactions. Cause I don't want to immediately just start talking about, we did this thing and they're, you know, super like all this, like a, you know, supernatural stuff that was involved. Like, I don't want to like go there yet with him, you know? A question to Chris then. I mean, Derek definitely knows Meredith. Yep. Um, but does he know about her motives to like m make amends for the wrongdoings of her family? Nope, or... not really. You don't know okay. that. You know, you, all you know is that she divorced Calvin Wilkstetter. Like, mm -hmm. basically, you know that she divorced him like over ten years ago, and you kind of always got the vibe that weird vibe when you pick up people are hooked up that from her and Jerry might have a thing, but you're not sure. You know, like you know Jerry works for her, but. You don't know the history at all about her husband or anything like that. You kind of like picked up that her husband, she is living off of like alimony and, and, and stuff like that because her husband owned a lot of land in Bismarck area, actually sold the Kirkwood Mall, was the one who built it, sold it for a bunch of money. But other than that, you're not really quite sure. Walkstetter. I mean, I know Meredith and I know uh, you know of her, but I've never met her ex-husband or anyone else. Yeah, you're better off. Really? I mean, she must have a reason why she divorced him, but I never asked. Shay just kind of has, like, his jaw tight. He doesn't want to say anything to, like, scare you off or anything like that, you know? he's But he's also kind of very, uh, he's not the most rational about this, so he's just kind of quiet. Well, you'll find out soon enough if you stick around. Let me just get on to the matters at hand for right now. We've been asked to look into a kid who's ran away from his school down at the uh, Dakota Adventist Academy. Everybody's real worried about him. Me and me and Alex were just down there talking to his grandpa, trying to find out what we can. You know, his grandpa, I really do pity the man. He's really got his hand full, hands full trying to take care of this kid. You know, and um, kids that age, especially kids with no real parental guidance, you know how they, how they act out. But his grandpa really does care about him a lot, and he's real worried. He gave us some leads on a friend that he had stayed with another time that he ran away, Jason Matthews. It's a kid. He lives uh, lives in the building. Uh, him and his mom are expected home from school pretty soon now, and I look at my watch. Uh, there are people we can potentially go talk to and, and ask. Another thing we found pretty interesting, the kid was uh, somewhat attached to his guidance counselor, I guess. So the only When they found him that first time, he had told his grandpa the only way he would go back to school is if he talked to the guidance counselor. So for whatever reason, this kid feels close to that guidance counselor, and we definitely need to talk to him to find out more. And I kind of look over to Alex, you know, because Wayne is probably leaving out some stuff. Alex is just listening while continuing the sketch. Doesn't really seem to be paying too much attention. Now, I didn't want to take it upon myself to go following up on things without consulting you guys first so i'm just laying out what i know from the old man michael hearing this what 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 do you like what does this make you think hearing about the you know him talking to the grandfather and what he was able to find out michael what michael really wants to do is take a look around the school because it kind of feels like walkster wouldn't just throw the school out of nowhere it had to have some purpose so that's three potential things that could be looked at is one, Jason Matthews and his mother, two, 
Michael McNulty, this guidance counselor, and three, just going to the source, going to the Dakota Adventist Academy. So there's three potential ways that this that you guys can go ahead with this. What what do you think is your plan of action, Michael? Well, Michael knows that probably the easiest thing to talk to would probably be the guidance counselor, honestly. Uh, because the problem with a kid is that it's a kid, right? And with the mother, you know, where it could spread around. One mom tells another mom, you know, how it goes. And suddenly, you know, the whole school will know that there's some sort of investigation, so sort of problem, which is something we want to avoid. Checking out the school, obviously a bunch of weirdos checking out a school is always suspicious. So, yeah, it leaves us with the guidance counselor, honestly, in my opinion. Anyone can, of course, chime in. Yeah, even... but Michael's the most experienced in this, and Che's just going to follow his lead regardless. So, And Wayne was given the guidance counselor's phone number and his name by the old man. And uh, Wayne has his notepad out on the middle of the, the desk that he's currently sitting at, and he just has it like flipped open for all to see. And he's he's been trying to be good with like taking good notes and just like he has everything like labeled and stuff like that he approaches it almost like he's like a like a student and this is just like his his subject and he's like trying to do really well at it um like mechanically he doesn't have like a ton of investigation so he's not like you know he's he's not like a sherlock holmes but he just like he kind of like wishes he was so he tries to just put that forward so he's just like has these notes out, just like, you know, all the names and numbers that he was given. So am I wrong in my observation that everyone kind of like is looking at Michael at this way? Like it's like everyone's kind of like waiting to be no, no, told. No, no, it's, oh, no. That is kind of the, I mean, no, you are not wrong. Okay. That is kind of the like way we handle this usually is like yeah. he takes the lead on like how we're splitting up what we're going to do. Yeah, for sure. He knows our, our kind of like, uh, or strengths mm-hmm. so che especially is just like sure whatever you need me to do i like that for sure so michael you see that this information has been brought out and you kind of can sense this this almost like this i don't want to say attention like you felt that lady but you can kind of feel this electricity in the air a little bit that it, like everyone's kind of like people who have information shared forth their information questions have been answered right now and now it's just kind of in the ether and you can kind of sense like your brain is kind of like your synapses are going off where you're kind of like thinking all the things that you brought out, like, okay, well, we could talk to this lady, but rumor might spread. We can go to the school, but that's going to stand out. We got this old man here, but then or this um, guidance counselor here that we could talk to, but you also have five people too. Okay. So if, and honestly, you know, five people now currently, by the way, very happier with us, Derek. I believe that, if we find a good cover story, you know, uh, maybe do a little good natured deception. One or two of us could actually go and meet the kid and the mom. Uh, do, do I have any volunteers? Anyone who specifically wants to go to these two? Suppose I could. It's just I've already been in the building today. I'm not sure how many people already saw oh, me there. Uh, it's the same building, is it? Well, then you're out. Definitely out. Uh, Derek, what do you say? A trail by fire. Oh, honestly, I'm not sure. I'm made for this. Uh, well, you're going to have to be. 
Michael, give Sorry. me, yeah, give me a, hmm. Um, I could send you with Che. He'd show you the ropes. You've already know him. Yeah. Give me a wits and what's my favorite role here? A wits and composure? Mm-hmm. Give, give, yeah. me a wits, give me a wits and composure, Michael. If you were to ask Derek to uh, scale his zero uh, successes, subterfuge skill on zero between successes. zero and five. <laughs> okay, Che, how me do uh, Che also, since he brought your name up, give me a wits and composure too. One. One? Okay, good. So <clears throat> Michael just kind of said what he said and said that you can come with him. And, you're, and you remember Che when you had the talk with the just this lady right now and you saw that Derek had kind of went and closed the blinds. You kind of realize that Derek at that moment, at least showed like a sense of like empathy where he was able to like pick up off her feelings and kind of read the situation was able to act upon it. And then you hear Derek just kind of express his doubts like, oh, I don't know, you know, like what I can do at this moment, kind of have that self doubt a little bit about talking to someone like that. I just wanted to point that out that you kind of like remember seeing Derek being acting upon that when when the time was needed. So go ahead. Seeds on you guys. I think you can do it, but uh, I was kind of hoping to head back out to my uh, grandma's place and check out uh, Brian Eagle, see how he's doing, you know? But if you need me on this... Uh, in that case, you know, I understand. Uh, so I guess I'll go with Derek and Wayne and Alex. You guys can check out Guidance Counselor. So we have, I mean, we have Derek and Michael going to talk to jason matthews and his mother we have wayne and alex who are going to talk to the guidance counselor if they can and we have che who's going to check on brian before we break up into each of these i want michael i want you to roll me a manipulation and subterfuge please okay manipulation (laughs) do you have any dots in it oh uh no i have one die Oh, okay. Let's not have you roll. Uh, do you, I'll let you roll manipulation and investigation. I have more dice than that. Okay, uh, go ahead and roll that. Yeah, two successes. Okay, so after you guys have decided, you're like, you know, one thing that we could play off of here is we could just go and talk to the mother and be like, hey, we're working for like child protective services and we just want to see that we had this case of a runaway and we're just kind of like closing the file, trying to do some final sign-offs about the situation and we know that he was there, at, you know, at least and you can do that. You can say you're hired out by the services that they do third parties because they have such a backlog that they're hiring your company out to go like finish up some cases that they have if you choose to go that way. But that's an idea that you have if you want to like not go out and say, hey, we're investigating this missing boy. You know what I mean? Just be like, hey, we're closing up this file and this runaway case that happened like a few months ago. And we just need to get a couple more statements. So the, the kid gets out of school at three. It's about one thirty now. Do you guys just want to wait until then? Well, I guess I'll just, uh, I'll be briefing Derek on parts of the job that I think he'll be good at. Yeah, I'm sure we find uh, things to pass the time with, like introducing Derek to all the file structure and... Filling out um, W-4s, tax forms. W-4s is a tax form. Oh, God. Uh, Yeah, probably that too. So you can get paid, (laughs) yeah. Filling out all the paperwork and all that fun stuff. Yeah. Okay. And maybe get introduced to the case uh, with all the info because he only got briefed. So, All right. Scenes on you and Michael. Go ahead. So why is this uh, Voxdata connection so interesting to you? Well, let's just say we had some, ran into them a couple of times. And 
they're a pretty fucked up family. Uh, they're fucked up in a way that only a really rich and powerful family would be fucked up. Uh, I'm not sure I can really... I don't think you'd really believe all the details. But, yeah. You know, there's the standard stuff. The drugs, the... I don't know. Uh, drugs, the, let's say, sexual violence, other things. It gets worse, believe it or not. Like... There's a lot of bad things around that family. It's not good to trust them. Yeah, Derek definitely has like eyebrows raised. Well, like I said, sooner or later, you'll see it for yourself. Huh. But Meredith is the only walks that are left in town, right? That uh, we know of. Never know when someone pops up from a basement. <laughs> but yeah, anyway, let's just put it that way. Uh, some time ago, a reporter been looking into them, you know, doing stories, and let's just say he turned up dead today. In fact, no way. You think? Oh, yeah. Apparently, it was a heart attack, but I have a hard time believing a young fit guy in his was it thirties, forties, like forties, but oh, yeah, early, yeah, but he was a fit guy. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm pretty sure the dude didn't even smoke or something. Okay. No, I'm just saying, be careful. Give me up wits and uh, empathy. Okay. One success. You can tell that Michael's definitely holding back, and you can tell like it makes him feel a little uncomfortable what he's talking about here. But you notice the one thing isn't being brought up in any of these conversations that you're having with him. The one thing that is tying you guys together. You hear him talking about Welkstetter and his family, but you haven't even heard a single mention of Amanda's name whatsoever. I think Derek wouldn't really want to press the Walkstetter issue further, but kind of like move on to, so you guys all know each other from your uh, childhood days, right? With Amanda and that. Uh... Yeah, yeah, we did. And well, that's how the Walkstetter trouble all started, honestly. <sighs> Give me a wits and composure, Derek. Derek, they have a mind blown moment here. <laughs> Just by that simple line there. Michael. <laughs> Another success. When he says, when you asked about the childhood, which was kind of an innocent question, or, you know, in a way, and he said, like, that's where the Welkser issues started happening, your brain just starts clicking a little bit. You feel like your gears just shift into first and the second in your brain. And you're like, wait a second. And you're thinking, Amanda brought them together. You know what I mean? And you're just kind of like that Welkster name is starting to get embedded with the thought of Amanda while you see him and you're looking at him at a moment. How does that make you feel right now that you're just kind of like something just clicked in your head hearing him say that? Yeah, I'm uh, picturing this uh, like echo effect um, with Michael saying uh, sexual violence and Walkstetter and Amanda, and it, like it all goes together. And I think like Derek like goes silent for a minute. Give me one second. Give me sure. uh, wits and empathy role, Michael, right now. Two successes. So you say that, Michael, and it really is this kind of like a moment you're just like reflecting. And you look out of the corner of your eye, you're like putting his W4 file like in your out box thing on your desk. And you look at him and you catch a moment where like he's just like you see him sit back for a second and you see his his, his gaze goes distant, like his mind is delving into his mind a little bit. And then you look at him and you see him for a second focus. And he looks right at you and you're like, oh, shit. And you just realize that you see that something has clicked in his head and you see like that kind of lost. I'm not sure if I belong here 
feeling just go for a second, you realize he's come to some sort of realization in his head. Uh, get what kind of trouble, Derek? You want a drink? Uh, don't worry, I'll drive. No, uh, another coffee. Irish coffee? No, dude, I had whiskey for breakfast. Nice. Okay, I'll go make him some coffee then. Want some sugar or cream with that? Yeah, sure. Whatever. Cool. Michael will make him the sweetest coffee ever. <laughs> you. <laughs> <laughs> we'll say at this point, just uh, at, just for story's sake, we'll say that like Che left and that Wayne and Alex have left at this point. This is like an hour after like the initial thing. It's like 2.30 right now or 2.15, we'll say. But it's just you two in the office now. You make the coffee and you come back to the table. Go ahead, scenes on you guys. <clears throat> so you believe the whole Amanda thing and all those walks that her stories are connected somewhere out there in oh i she don't went to believe California, right? derek i know fuck it's 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 not i can't tell you everything at first you know it has to be uh gradual you know you have to understand it mull it over like we did we didn't find everything out first you know we got bits and pieces and we figured but why out didn't more. the police never find out I mean, you worked for them in the past. <laughs> well, let's just say the force is busy at times, and at others, there's just red tape when it comes to certain things, which is why I left, honestly, and why we're sitting here, and I'm not in the force anymore. Yeah, you mentioned that. Also, you were able to figure out, Derek, that the reason why Meredith has probably been helping you is maybe tied to Amanda or what? You know what I mean? You're kind of put two and two together. Like this lady's been super nice to you, super nice to the family. If her last name, people who shared her same surname were responsible or tied or some way, you know, you're able to put that together with that role that you did. Yeah, that would um, probably kind of annoy him because uh, that means she had some like background knowledge that she isn't sharing. Like she's um, almost taking the easy way instead of confronting the background knowledge she has. She's trying to just make up for it in kind acts. Yeah, so I think Derek would uh, go over things in his head that um, he remembers in encountering her and like second guess everything right now and yet um, like try to rein himself in and like stop himself from like seeing ulterior motives in her at every possible instance. It's hard, right? It's hard when you find out that someone who's been a fundamental figure in your life may not have been sincere or may have done it for sincere reasons, but had a guilt of a knowledge that she had of the truth of something that happened to someone in your family. It's really, this is really all impactful stuff. The veal is being peeled much slower for you than it was for these people. You know, now it's just talking about families and things, crimes that may have happened, but you can still sense in this talk with Michael. And there's moments of genuine kindness, like when he brings you this coffee or when he offered you a drink. You see in the twinkle of his eye that behind those irises and those same banks of knowledge Meredith hid her secret at, that he too has secrets that he's not speaking about. We'll cut to Wayne and Alex. So right after you guys decide which path to go, you see Michael take Derek off and he has him like showing him this is the copy machine here. This is where the soda machine, please don't take free sodas like these guys do. They have keys. They take free sodas. This is here to give us a little profit. Here's the coffee machine. If you see that there's one cup left, make another pot. And you kind of just see him giving the tour. And Wayne, you and Alex are sitting at a desk together 
right now. You actually see Alex is like, actually, you're sitting in the, the desk next to Alex. You see him kind of sketching on a piece of paper. What are you sketching, Alex, right now, if Wayne was to look over? Nothing in specific. He's just sort of letting his mind go on this one. So lines, angles, that sort of thing. You see him doing that, Wayne. But you right now, you have your notepad that has a little index card with the name of Michael McNulty and his phone number. Wayne is kind of just wishing he, he's privately just wishing he had an address instead of a phone number because Wayne doesn't want to call him and arrange something. Wayne would like to just get the drop on it and just, um, just catch him by surprise. Like a, a lot of the, the type of investigative stuff that they do is it's, you know, it's, it's not calling people and planning meetings. It's staking things out and, catching the getting the drop on people and like Wayne is kind of just like wishing he had that opportunity. Um, he's watching Alex draw, but he's not, he doesn't want to interrupt. Um, so he's just kind of just like passively looking at it. Alex, give me a uh, wits and composure, please. Uh, three successes. You catch out of the corner of your eye, Wayne looking at you and you see that like, he is just, you know, kind of watching you, but you see he kind of has a sense of like hesitancy, like he doesn't know how to move ahead. He's like looking at the notebook and then you see him looking at you drawing like he's not sure how to move ahead. What are you thinking, Wayne? Well, I guess we I guess we give this guy a call. I really wish I really wish we could just roll roll up on him. You know, we why don't we? On his, we don't have the address. How we go about it? We don't have the address for the school. Well, for the out of character um, for. Uh, Michael, the guidance counselor, um, would he just be at the uh, storyteller? Would he just be at the school? Do you think, or would we just assume to catch him at home or something? We got his his. He's home got phone his phone number. number. Michael, you're showing Derek around, and you hear Alex and Wayne talk. Che already left; he took off, and you hear them like figuring out how they're going to get an address. And you're you sit there and you look at him, and you realize you realize that you have this new. IBM computer that's on your desk there and you have this it's called Curtis it's like a kind of like a weak database of sort the same kind that like the Bismarck PD has but very very limited the amount of personal information that has on people but usually you can get like the last address the last employment of work excuse me it's updated by floppy disk so like once a month you got to get like this updated floppy disk of the Bismarck area to to update the database but you have it on there but you guys never really use it because you've never had any really real reasons to use it but it's just like the IBM you cannot stand you actually kind of loathe it it kind of just collects dust as a big monitor and clacky keyboard and you kind of just like push it aside you know on your desk and you have your typewriter you prefer to use but you do know that you have that to where it could be used to find up at least last place of employment address just just use Curtis man press the power button then go like three times down and then press enter and then type in his name. Michael, you know, I can't use this thing. When are we going to hire a girl who knows how to knows how to operate this piece of junk? Well, when are we starting? Derek, do you know how to work computers? Uh, Maybe Maybe. like an ordering uh, system at work at my previous work. Great, great. See, the, the answer for that question for most of us is no. So maybe it's uh, like one tier higher. So why don't you go show Wayne how it's done? <laughs> I guess Derek kind of awkwardly walks to the computer. You see uh, that. Turns it on. Immediately looks more professional than any other uh, person in the room. 
You're going like, you see the screen like kind of glows green a little bit. And then finally you see like this, you see it has a DOS screen come up and you just see like Derek start typing up stuff. And you're like, what the fuck is he typing? It's all bright and green. And then all of a sudden you see a screen pop up and it says Curtis database. And it has like, you know, first name, last name, search. And and the bottom grayed out is like Bismarck, North Dakota. So you only have the capability to look for people in the Bismarck area there. Yeah, Wayne is basically looking to Derek like he's a scientist at this point. (laughs) And he's just like so blown away. And he'll just take his notepad and he'll like go over to the computer and he starts slowly just pressing in one key at a time, you know, trying to find where it is on the you know, where it is on the keyboard and he'll just eventually get through, you know, inputting the full name and then probably struggle with where to go from there. You see, he just needs to hit the enter key, but he doesn't know what to do. Yeah. Okay. We want to do full search, right? Yeah. yeah just hit, hit this, this one. And <laughs> he hits enter and all of a sudden you see bloop, the screen pull up. And it's very basic knowledge. It has the guy's first name, last name, middle initial, which is D or B be and then has his home address and list off his home address it's a town or excuse me it's a home that's on the northwest side of the city but then you see his place of appointment is not actually the dakota adventist academy it's uh hughes junior high high school bismarck north dakota and it gives you the address actually hughes junior high is if you were to get onto state street which goes north and south and go north and almost get to divide but the street before that, if you make a left, it's in this kind of residential area. It's a junior high that's there. Look at that. And Wayne's going to like pat Derek on the back and he's just going to start jotting all the stuff down onto the notepad. And uh, I imagine it's it's pretty impressive to like every other character who has zero computer skills to just like see see him work this magic. And we just like have information like that. Um, so he's just like, he's writing it all down and he's just like, problem solved. Look at Derek making himself useful right up, right off the jump. Uh, Derek just kind of like, I'm sure awkwardly nods at you and just goes back to doing the paperwork that he was doing with Michael goes back to his desk. So what's your plan of action now, Wayne and Alex, that you got the work address and his home address. Uh, Wayne's ready to fill up his thermos and hit the road. So you Uh, guys can put two and two together that he's probably at his school, but you guys could easily go there and talk to him, especially with your PI licenses and everything. What do you say, Alex? We we go by the, the high school, junior high school? Yeah, why not? All right, I'm going to make a cup of joe for the road, and I'll warm the car up. So you guys get into the car. You have this thermos that's between you guys, and you start driving off. Do you guys want to have a scene between you all? I don't think Wayne would really um, try to bother Alex because he knows that he's kind of like reserved, you know, he's kind of introverted and, and Wayne, Wayne respects it. He's, he's not trying to, you know, he's not trying to pry. He's not trying to bother him. He knows that Alex has like so much on his plate. He doesn't want to add anything. He's, he's grateful that he's coming along. He's grateful that he's able to keep his composure in the face of like all of this. So he's just like, you know, he's silent. He, he respects how Alex is just, you know, stoic doesn't really doesn't it's like i think he said it last time he doesn't just fill up the air with like every thought you know definitely are you still listening to blue oyster cult while you're driving there um he would probably turn it down a little bit um if it's still playing it's not very audible you know my alex might want to listen to something else or whatever he has other tapes in his car too 
uh, some Santana, some, I don't know, kind of more like, you know, Black Classic Sabbath. Classic rock, Black Sabbath, yeah. Good choice, good choice. Alex, what's going on in your brain right now while you guys are driving there? Alex is wondering if at the end of all of this, they're going to find something as fucked up as they found at the end of the Welkstetter investigation. Oh, he's dreading it in a way, or is he wanting to find something fucked up? He is dreading it more than anything else. So that anger. Especially after that nightmare that he had. So it's kind of like, in a way, dousing that anger a little bit, that fear? A little bit, but he is going to end up getting angrier and angrier, most likely, as time passes. And he knows that, too. And he's kind of worried that he'll start taking it out on the people around him. For sure, for sure. So you guys are driving along the streets. You make a left, and you see the junior high coming up on your right. And you see uh, it's a brick building. You see that there's like kind of snow drifts that are in the front of the building from when they like little mini snow drifts from when they plowed the sidewalks. You see the sidewalks are very well scraped off and shoveled. You see that's two stories. You see the lights are on within the school. Yeah, I mean, it's like it's about... I want to say almost like 2.30, but, you know, it's a gray day, so you can see the warmth of the lights coming through from the windows. You can see that there's hallway windows, too. You can see some kids, like silhouettes of kids that are walking in. Junior high, by the way, is like 7th and 8th grade. You can see there's a flagpole in the front that has an American flag with the North Dakota flag that's up on there. And you see that there's like a parking lot on the left where the faculty and you can find a visitor parking spot there. The kids obviously don't drive at this age, so the parking lot's not too big you guys are able to get into the parking lot and then you are walking along the sidewalk there and you see that there's two entrances on each side and there's steps that kind of like walk up to like a set of two sets of steps so it's like five steps and flat and five steps and then there's double doors there and you see like home of the bobcats that's like painted in like yellow and black you know the colors there and you uh you guys are able to go through the doors if you would like yeah i mean Wayne's just going to park in the parking lot and go right into the school. I think this is kind of before the age of schools being like, you know, like really safe and you have to like check in and stuff like that. So like you could probably just open up the door and just mm-hmm. just walk straight inside and, you know, he'll he will try to find like a front desk or like the, you know, the principal's office or whatever. He's not going to be sneaking around, yeah. but he's just walking in, um, kind of just taking a look and kind of remembering those days for sure so you both walked through the double doors and when you walked in you're greeted with the warmth because outside it was that still that same brisk cold and as you walk in you're hit with all these different smells the smell of wax that is on the floor you can smell like the wax that they used to buff the floor out you can smell that disinfectant pine green smell that these floors are usually mopped with and you look on like the left and the right and you see these huge like tissue paper banners that are like you know with well valentine's dance make sure to buy your tickets or like you know go bobcats and like just different kind of paintings that are along the way there you see like there's pictures of like different faculty members and the principal that are along the wall and you see straight ahead there's this like uh it looks like you can walk up like a an area where you walk up and it's like a glass area and like the glass thing can slide and you see that there's someone who's sitting there and you see behind her, there's like a couple desks and you see like doors. You see one that says like vice principal. When you walk up to this glass thing, you can look to the left and you see the hallway goes down. There's doors on the left and right. And you can look to the right and see the hallway goes down. There's doors on the left and the right. It looks like there might be like another set of double doors at the end of each hallway. For And you were to guess they wanted to go on steps. They can go up. Alex, you actually went to junior high here. So you're kind of familiar with like the, out, the, the set, how the school is laid out. 
And it kind of brings back this swarm of memories of when you were like a prankster, because this is actually where you went to school before the events of the ultimate evil happened to you before that summer camp uh, that you were here in eighth grade. It was actually after that summer camp when you went into ninth grade. And so this is kind of like, I don't know, a stark reminder of where you came from before all that happened. And when you guys both walk in there, you see this lady, she has like this curly perm. She looks to be like maybe like 50 years old. It's grayish. She has a sweater and she has like a Bobcats, like button, like go Bobcats on there. And she like just smiles at you all. And she's like, hey, hey, uh, how can I help you? Hi, it's nice to meet you. Um, my name is Wayne Coleman. Is there a place we could sit down and talk for a second? Main office or something? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I may ask it pertain to who? Are you, are you a parent of a student here? Yeah, no, um, I'm an old student. My name's Alex. I'm just coming back to refresh some memories. Hey, does, uh, oh man, my old guidance counselor, does he still work here? Uh, we will, we, um, uh, no, I don't, we, we have a new guidance counselor. He teaches too, though, but we have a new guidance counselor here, Michael McNulty, but he, he just started here like last year. Oh, wow. Okay, man. It's been a while. Can I sit down and talk with him real quick? Oh, <laughs> this guy like looking at you for a second. Give me a uh, manipulation and subterfuge, please. Just One success. Out. One success. So you're, she's like, and then she looks at you for a second and then she looks at Wayne and she looks at you and she's like, yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't see no harm in it. Can I give him a reason why before I call him up? Yeah. I just wanted to, you know, check up on some, my, you know, my old files, my old records. I figured he'd have them. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, sure. Sure. And she's like, you see for a second, she picks up the phone. And you see her talking for a second, and she's like, and then you see her nod the head, and then she hangs up. And she's like, okay, uh, honey, if you go down there, you remember where the guidance counselor offices are? If you go down there to the right there, and she like points to your left, and she's like, you know, third door on the right, you'll see it has his name up on there. You go talk to him, hon, okay? All right. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Come she, on, Wayne, this way. All right. Thank and you. I, and I, I like nod to the woman. She smiles. And as you are like walking down, you hear the echoes of like your feet going down this empty hallway you can hear like the mumbling of discussions happening behind doors you hear like doors are closed you see like the window the milked window or whatever some are unmilked you can see like classrooms in there and people talk like teachers talking to class you notice the water fountains are shorter than you're used to and you see like along the walls like artwork that was made by some students and it's almost you feel like a giant in this land and even like i would say would be a contrast to like again remind you where you're at now and where you all were at at that time of your lives. Oh, hello again, folks. I'd like to tell you about the Facebook group we run called White Wolf and Onyx Path RPGs Gameplay and Media. Have you ever wished you could have an easy way to find gameplay videos and podcasts or just media in general that deals with your favorite White Wolf role-playing games? Or have you ever wished you could find a forum to share gameplay that you have recorded one that won't be drowned out by random posts and discussions so that your media could get the attention you deserve. The group is specifically run with the sole intent of it being a one-stop shop for people to view or share media involving the games we all love. We take thorough steps to ensure the page does not become cluttered and is easy to traverse. The group is already immense and continuing to rapidly grow, with new media being shared every day. Stop on by. We hope to see you there.